First Peter chapter 1. And we'll begin reading at verse 7 just for time's sake. First Peter chapter 1 beginning to read at verse 7. Peter says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now that you take your word and Lord, that you would inscribe it in every single heart, imprint it upon every single mind. And we pray, Lord, that you would have free course in this place to speak to every one of us. We ask you, Father, that if there's one here who is not saved, that you would draw them by your Spirit to see and behold the Lamb of God. So, Father, in Jesus' name we pray now, settle us in our seats and settle us in your presence. Settle us under thy own anointing, according to thy Spirit's power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to speak this evening on the grace, the sufferings, and the glory of Christ. The grace, the sufferings, and the glory of Christ. Peter is speaking of Christians who have been saved. These believers now know God. They have been blood-washed and blood-bought by trusting in Christ at Calvary, that he had paid their debt. In fact, they're scattered Israelites that he's writing to. And when he's writing this, he's letting them know that God's plan of redemption and God's plan of salvation for each and every one of us, it's not an afterthought of God, the God of the Old Testament, then an afterthought as though plan A had went wrong in the Old Testament and now we have plan B. But rather, it's not a recent updated thought of God. It's not something new to them. Neither was it just a new religion or a made-up story, man-made when Peter, he comes to them. And he says in chapter 1 and verse 2, look what he calls them, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. He says, you're not an afterthought when you're saved. Because, Israel, you were not an afterthought. He says, no, I in Christ, you are not an afterthought. The foreknowledge of God the Father, he had knew you, loved you, seen you. And, of course, he sent his son to die for you. 
Notice what he also says in verse 3. He tells them that they are blessed of God the Father. He says they have received abundant mercy. And he also tells them they are begotten again. In other words, they were lost, now found. Begotten again unto a lively or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in verse 5, he then tells them, they are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. In other words, it's not in their temple. It's not in their works. It's in nothing they can do. It's not in their synagogue teachings. It's not in idols that they have made or could make with hands. And nor is it in being even an Israelite. They're saying it's not in the keeping of commandments even, nor keeping the law, for man fails in the commandments. And man fails in the law. And failing the commandments is sinning before God. And so he's saying, look, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can add to what Christ has already done at the cross of Calvary. He's saying there's salvation in the Lord Jesus and in him alone. Notice four things, please, of what Peter tells us. First of all, he tells us of the salvation of Christ. Then he tells us of the grace of Christ. Then he tells us of the sufferings of Christ. Then he tells us of the glory of Christ. And all of this is made known through the Spirit of Christ. Let's look at our reading. In verse 10, he says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Here we have the salvation of Christ. That is, your salvation and mine is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said the salvation here that is found in Christ, he says, it's salvation through Christ alone. Notice what he says then. Next he mentions also the grace of Christ. He says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Here is the grace of Christ, salvation in Christ alone, now salvation in Christ by grace alone. He's saying it's salvation in Christ alone. And then he speaks of the sufferings of Christ. Look at verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them, did signify when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. So here we now have, we have salvation in Christ alone, through grace in Christ alone, by the suffering or the cross of Christ alone. And then he says, and the glory that should follow, the glory of Christ alone. So we are saved by grace alone, through Christ alone and for the glory of Christ alone. Let's look at the grace here of Christ. He says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. The prophets in the Old Testament, they had a move of God in their life. The Holy Ghost bore them along, and he showed them the things that should come. Think about this. The Spirit of Christ, who Peter mentions in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11. What manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. Here the Spirit of Christ comes unto them and shows them Christ 
dying for them. Imagine the same God who came in the Old Testament to the prophets of God is the same God who became flesh and hung and bled and died on the cross of Calvary before them. Telling them, here, he says, I will come and I will redeem you back to myself. Now notice this. These prophets from the Old Testament, you and I think many times, I think many times, wouldn't it be great to have a ministry like Elijah calling fire down from heaven? Or wouldn't it be great to be a great orator like the prophet Isaiah? Or maybe be able to weep like the prophet Jeremiah for our people? Or cry for national repentance like Daniel and others like him when he prays in Daniel chapter 9 for those who were near far off and under the many countries as the Lord our God had scattered his people. And we, I think all the time, Lord, if I had a ministry like that, calling fire down from heaven and being able to weep before, before God like that or being able to be a great orator before the people for you, Father, surely to be a prophet of things that are to come, surely it would be a great thing. But do you realize, brothers and sisters, that you and I know more today than the prophets in the Old Testament? You and I have seen the fulfillment of that which they have spoken of. You and I have seen the fulfillment of Calvary's cross. You and I have seen the day of Pentecost and the pouring out of the Holy Ghost. You and I are a blessed people tonight. For you and I have a greater revelation of God found in the person of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a glorious saviour he is. Yet we desire to be like one of the prophets of old. Here's one of the things we must look at. They saw... They beheld, but they couldn't grasp and understand. They saw, they beheld, but they couldn't grasp and understand. For example, you and I look forward when we read the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ and we see the coming kingdom of God. And we say, Lord, won't it be great when we walk into that kingdom in that day? Won't it be great, Lord, when we are around the throne worshiping you with the, the, the throngs of the saved, of the, of the saints of God? Won't it be a marvelous thing to behold and see and to be a part of? And you and I think like that and we try and imagine it and we try and picture it and we try and grasp it, but we can't because we haven't arrived there yet. Such were the prophets who prophesied of the coming of Christ and all that he could and all that he would do. So, so here they're saying no more animal sacrifices, no more works of the flesh, no more temple or tabernacle and then temple in the wilderness and in Jerusalem. He says no more slaying of little animals. No more shed blood by the priest and the sprinkling of a priest into the Holy of Holies once a year. He says it's all done away with when he comes. But they couldn't grasp it. They couldn't understand it. How this one man, what did he look like? Well, what would he do? How would he accomplish it? Lord, we're seeing these things and we're told these things, but we cannot understand it. Oh, brothers and sisters, you and I can look back and in the four gospels and the epistles of our Bibles and we can see how Christ has paid it all. We can see how he alone has accomplished it himself. You know, they looked and they wanted to know more. There's no temple and there's no idols and there's no denominations that are going to save. 
There's no, you're not going to be a Pharisee or a Sadducee or you're not going to be a Herodian or whatever you think you are. And you think you're going to be saved because you're orthodox and, and your you're, you're Jewish ways and your religion. He says, no. He says, it's all in Jesus. It's all in Christ. And it's all in Christ alone. And it's not in your religion. And it's not in who you are. And it's not in what you can do and what I can do. And it's not in what we can become or who we think we are. And it's not in our denomination or affiliation. And it's not in a creed or a dogma. It's in a person, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is who... Our Lord was speaking off and the prophets couldn't grasp it. Neither could they understand it. Here we're told they inquired and searched diligently. The prophets inquired and searched diligently. The idea here is it's a word, exotheo, exotheo, and it means to investigate and to scrutinize. In other words, the prophets, they scrutinized all their writings. If you read Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's in Babylon, and he's reading the books. He says he's understanding by books. What books? The books of the prophets that went before him. The books of the word of God, the scrolls of the prophets that God said he would bring them out after 70 years. And here they are, Judah, and the Jews are in Babylon for 70 years. And read Daniel 9. He starts reading the book of Jeremiah. And of course, he starts getting then the prophetic utterances that are coming forth, even for this time and for the times to the coming of Christ. Well, brothers and sisters, we have to see these things that we must search the scriptures and see if these things be so. We must take our Bibles and lift it every day and read it and and study it and understand it. And, And as my pastor used to say, he used to get right under every single word and dig it up and get right beneath it to see what is underneath that because this is the living word of the living God and will bring life to everywhere that it comes and touches. Here we have... Uh, this wonderful, this wonderful portion of scripture that tells us they inquired and searched diligently. They investigated each other's writings and that which God had placed in their heart to bring as it was dictated down or as they copied it down from the visions that they saw and what God had spoken to them as he bore them along by the Holy Ghost. They wrote it all down and they would have sat and opened the scrolls maybe at night or first thing in the morning at the beginning of daylight and they searched up and down, right to left. They'd have been going right through and seeing what God was saying and matching it up with all the other prophets. They searched, they investigated every single scripture that they could find to find out more of what God was telling them in Old Testament times. See this word to to investigate or search diligently, to be scrutinized, it means. It also means to, to crave after something, to crave. They craved to find out more about God. They craved in their heart. They craved in their soul to find out more of the coming Christ. They crave for him. Oh, how dead has the church become when we no longer crave for the things of God? We no longer crave to be in his presence. We no longer crave, even as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, and no longer do we do it. Oh, brothers and sisters, here we have to coax and we have to ply and we have to drag even the Christians to church today to try to get them into the house of God whenever we need to be chasing after him or else we die. That's how we should feel as blood-washed and blood-bought, spirit-filled men and women of God. 
Oh, here we see they craved, they inquired after. In other words, there was a demand in their heart that would not be satisfied. And oh, many of these men went to the grave unsatisfied in the sense of this, that they never knew the Christ of God like you and I know him. Oh, yes, we need to realize on this side of Calvary and the new covenant, you and I are such a blessed people. We are such a blessed people. Listen, Romans 3 and 11 says, There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. The word seeketh after God is the exact same word. They, they, they inquired and searched diligently. How many now seek after him? How many get their the Bible out? How many sit at night and read it before going to bed or, or get up in the morning or bring it to work and go and hide at lunchtime? How many are willing to open it up and say, Lord, I'm not moving from this book until you speak to me? But oh, we no longer want to see it and search diligently the word of God. But rather, oh, we had rather listen to fantasies and fairy tales and little illustration stories that are going to tickle our ears and pat us on the back and make us feel how to have a a blessed day and so on. But God says, search the scriptures. If you search the scriptures, you'll find Jesus. If you search the scriptures, you'll find the Christ of God. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a thing to get excited over, to think that God has afforded us to speak in this book and to show us his lovely son, who died for us. Yes, Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, but without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him, that is to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's the exact same word here. In other words, if you start seeking for God, if you start looking for the Lord in the scriptures, if you set yourself a time aside, if you get it at your lunchtime and go out to your car. I used to, when I was working in secular work, I used to go away out at lunchtime and I wouldn't sit with a lot of the lads because of the language going on. And I sat in the car with my Greek word studies under the seat and a pen in my hand and a notebook and I used to sit and write. And I used to do it every single lunchtime. So I just wanted to get to know Jesus more. I wanted more of Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, you see, you're so much time wasted by us. And we'd rather watch our movies and our magazines. We'd rather read than the Word of God. And we'd rather be sitting in other places in the house of God. And we'd rather be in other company around the company of God's fellowship and His people. But brothers and sisters, this says that if you and I seek Him diligently, we will find Him and He will be a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. That's the Word of God to your heart tonight. That's the Word of God to my heart tonight. It means to scrutinize the Word about Him. And he will reveal himself. Here, these prophets of Old Testament times, God showed them the grace in Christ that would come. It's no longer in that old temple. It's no longer in the slaying of animals, of blood of bulls and goats, and and even pigeons or whatever else they wanted to slay. But no longer would it be found there, the pleasing of God, but belief with all our heart that we will be saved through Christ and Christ alone. Notice the grace of God. The word grace here is the word charis. And we know grace is unmerited favor or to receive something that we do not deserve. But the word charis means that and so much more. It means favor and pleasure. It means favor and pleasure. Listen, this is what it also means. It's the merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon souls 
turns them to Christ. Isn't that lovely? Oh, what a wonderful God we have. But when I was dead and in my sin and in my trespasses, when you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, that God in his mercy, that God with his great love, with God in his grace, he came down and he filled human form and he went to a cross and he shed his most precious blood and he died for me and you. Oh, this is grace, brothers and sisters, unmerited favor. We were unworthy of him. Yet he came and he bled and he died for us. This is favor from God according to his pleasure. We're saved according to his own good pleasure. Merciful kindness by which God exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ. Listen, it keeps strengthening them to increase them also in their Christian faith. How do we get by when we feel him? Oh, by sovereign grace. Whenever we feel him, we repent of our sin and he tells us to carry on in his grace because if it were not for his grace, we would never do, brothers and sisters. Salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone. And salvation is one being completely unworthy and unable to save themselves They are saved by grace through faith for their eternal benefit, being from the favor of God, according to the pleasure of God, through the work, the action, and the agency of God. Everything is of him. Everything is to do with him. Everything, our salvation, alpha, omega, beginning, the ending, the first and the last, from eternity past, now to eternity to come, it's all of grace and it's all of Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a salvation to tell people. What a story to bring. The prophet searched like a detective. That's the idea. You know what detective, when I was younger, I used to watch Columbo and he used to walk around picking all the all the details up and putting it all together to get the case together. And because he's doing this, he's getting all this together. He's a detective, and it's the same word. It's the same idea. God wants you to be a detective to seek after him. God wants you to do your detective work. He wants you to seek his face. He wants you to call on his name. He wants you to read his word. He wants you to be in fellowship. God says, come, and it'll all piece together. And then the old Columbo would have found the culprit at the end of it. But this time we'll find Almighty God whenever we do our detective work and we seek his face. I have to move quickly. I have to move quickly. The prophets searched like a detective to know more, but the Spirit of Christ showed them grace, but they just couldn't grasp it. They just couldn't grasp it. Puritan William Jenkin. Now listen, Puritan William Jenkin said, Grace is not native but donative. Grace is not native, but donative. It's not something here living with us. It's God in his own good pleasure. According to his own will, he comes down in grace to sinners like you and me. He donates himself. He donated his son. He donated his blood. He donated his own life to redeem yours and mine. Yes, they searched and they couldn't understand. It's like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I also am known. 
And notice Paul is saying, see at the minute, I'm prophesying, he's saying, see at the minute, Paul is writing parts of the New Testament, almost two-thirds of it, and Paul's saying, look, I don't understand what I've been apprehended for. I haven't apprehended that which I've apprehended for. In other words, I don't even understand what God calls me for. But this I know, he came to me. He came to me and he saved me. And brothers and sisters, I'm like Paul where I would say, I don't know why he saved me. And I don't know why he forgave me. And I don't know why he called me. And I don't know why he ransomed me and rescued me. But all I know is this, I'm grateful for it. And I'm saved by sovereign grace. So are you if you're in Christ. Yes. How diligently do we seek for him to know Jesus more? Listen. One old preacher once said, when the sun, S-U-N, when the sun arises, we turn off the lesser lights. When the sun arises, we turn off the lesser lights. And you know, we have street lights, and they come on at night, and when the sun rises, they're on timers in the roads where they turn off the lesser lights. But I can tell you something, brothers and sisters, even the turning off of the moon, the lesser light of the light by night, when the sun arises in the morning. So since this day star has arisen and shined in our hearts, the Lord Jesus Christ. These prophets looked with this beam of light through the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, and they saw him but could not understand. So they had the streetlights of the temple, as it were, and they had the streetlights of the sacrifice, as it were. They had the types and they had the shadows, but they didn't have the reality. But you and I now have the reality. We have the Christ. See, so we turn off the streetlights of religion and works and dams and deeds, and we turn off the streetlights, the lesser lights of the moon, that the sun, the S-O-N, that he has risen and he's coming again. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a glorious gospel we have to tell with others. So the grace of Christ. Secondly, moving quickly, the sufferings of Christ, we are told. First Peter chapter 1, verse 11 says, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, speaking of his life and his death and burial again, his burial, pardon me. First of all, the prophets prophesied of Calvary. They prophesied of his birth and they prophesied of his life. But I'm going to pick just a few scriptures and you can jot them down. And you can read them when you go home. First of all, he would be betrayed by a close friend. Psalm 41 and verse 9 says, Yea, mine old familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 16, talks of the betrayal of Christ by Judas Iscariot. You see the prophet saying, what is this? What is this prophecy of this one coming? Another one would be the price of his betrayal. Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 12 says, So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Yahweh said that. Jehovah God said that. They weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Can you see him saying, what does this mean? Judas Iscariot was given for Jesus 30 pieces of silver. 
Another one would be that he would be whipped and tortured. Isaiah 50 and verse 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters. On my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair, I did not hide. I, did, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Right, Matthew 27 and verse 26. Mark 15 and 15 tells us of Christ and his punishment when he was arrested and tried to be crucified. Thirdly, his body would bear the marks of abuse. His beautiful body, the lovely son of God. Psalm 22 verses 16 and 17 says, For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I tell all my bones, they look and stare at me. Here is another prophetic utterance. And these prophets are looking, what is this about the sufferings of this one? They didn't pierce hands and feet then when that was written a thousand years before it happened. They didn't pierce hands and feet then. Crucifixion was mainly, if there was crucifixion, by the hands. But then... They saw in the spirit there would be hands and feet. And you see the prophets are searching diligently. They want to know more about this. Matthew 27 verses 26 to 30 and John 19 verses 1 to 3 tells us of the cross of Christ. Yes, the dogs have compassed me, the Roman soldiers, the assembly of the wicked, the Jewish Pharisees have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Isaiah 52 and verse 14 tells us that he was marred more than any man. That Christ was marred more than any man. Oh, can you see these people? These prophets are looking. Fourthly, the reason for his dying was for our redemption and our salvation. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6 and verse 10 to 11. We haven't time to keep reading too much more. But listen to what the prophet says. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet... We did esteem him stricken, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Notice what he says then. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see, this, see his seed and shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous ser- shall my righteous servant justify many. For he bear their iniquities. Can you see these prophets in the Old Testament? This is 700 years before it happened. What is he? Lord, what are you showing me? Here's one who will die. Here's one who's bearing my sin. It's not in the temple. What are you showing me, Lord? They search like a detective, but they don't know. But oh, blessed are the people who are in this day of grace when we can see that Christ has borne it all for us. That he bore our sin and our shame and our sorrow and our sufferings and our sicknesses in his own body upon the tree. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. The Lord tells Jeremiah, Behold, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And he says, Not as the first covenant I made with your fathers, but I'm going to write my law in their parts and in their, inward, in their hearts, and they will know me. And can you see old Jeremiah going, Lord, what are you showing me? What are you telling me? And then later Daniel picks these scrolls up and he's reading these books in Babylon. He's saying, Lord, what does this mean? 
We're captive. We're in Babylon. We're scattered through the nations. Now we know that when Christ died on the cross, John 19, Luke 23, Matthew 27, Mark 15, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 to 13, all speak of the covenant that was made of blood when Jesus bled and died. And through his sufferings, you and I are blood-washed, blood-bought. We are saved. We are cleansed. We are forgiven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless his holy name. Thirdly and finally, you have the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. First of all, the glory of Christ spoken of as his glorious resurrection. Psalm 16, verses 9 and 10. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Here again is a prophetic utterance of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these prophets are looking and saying, what is this about? They can't understand it, but you and I are on the other side of it, justified through his resurrection. Just as if we had never sinned, he's carried our sin away from us. Matthew 16 and 6. Matthew 28 and 6, we read of those two angelic beings at his tomb in resurrection morning. And they said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, he is risen. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verses 24, 27, and 31. I haven't time to read it. Read it when you go home. Peter quotes this from Psalm 16, verses 9 and 10. He quotes it to them and says, this one whom you crucified, this is the one who was spoken of. See, we can see it now. Secondly, they prophesied of the glory of Christ for his second, glorious second coming and kingdom. In the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 7, I want to read a few verses and we're trying to round this up for you as quick as possible. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Listen to what Daniel sees now. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away on this kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Here Daniel sees a man in the glory. Daniel sees a man going to the ancient of days, to the great I am, as it were. He sees him going to the Father. Jesus said that he was going to the Father and he would come again and receive us unto himself that were he is there, you and I would be also. Isn't that what he said? Daniel seen it. What does this mean? His glory. And Matthew 25 and verse 31 says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Jesus said that. He says, I'm coming again in glory. I'm coming again in glory and power. I'm coming to set up my kingdom, he says, and all who are saved will be in it. So we have the glory of Christ. Salvation in Christ through grace alone. And now we have 
the sufferings of Christ, through the sufferings of Christ, for the glory of Christ alone. So I close with this. The prophets searched. In verse 12, we also read that the angels didn't understand either. They desired to look into. The angels were on that Ark of the Covenant with the gold casket that the high priest or the priest carried the Levites on their shoulders on staves and placed in the holy place in the tabernacle and then in the temple and that lid which was the mercy seat and there were the two cherubim angels and they, they touched wings but they looked down as if they're looking in to that Ark of the Covenant where the glory of God would come down. And the reason that they looked down was this because in it was the manna, the pot of manna. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It was the pot of manna, speaking of Christ that would come. In that also was the broken tablets of the commandments, where you and I are sinners before God, and Christ kept the commandments for us. And in that also was Aaron's rod, uh, uh, the potted blossomed and bloomed, an old dead stick, speaking of life coming out of death, resurrection. And they looked into it. <coughs> Excuse me. They looked into it, and they wanted to know why, how, how can this be? Well, brothers and sisters, Acts 10 and 43, to him, to him, to Jesus, give all the prophets witness. To him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Christ on that day, when the two were walking solemnly to the road to, to Emmaus, He appears to them and he says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ who has suffered these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the things and all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. Moses said, there's me there. Look. Look what Isaiah said. There's me there. Look what Zechariah says. That's me. Look what Jeremiah said. That's me. Look who Daniel saw coming to the ancient of days. That's me. He says, that's me. He's expounded it to them. Look at the cross. Read about it, he says. Hands and feet nailed. He says, that's me. Look. Showed him his hands that were marred by his side. He showed me his feet that were nailed to the tree. I then saw his bride and his side deeply wounded. And I, I love Jesus. And Jesus loves me. Yes. God bless his word to us.